Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner Radio. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity at 5,280 feet in Denver, Colorado, in case you were wondering. Oh my gosh, I didn't I didn't bring my altimeter. Wait, let me get it. Hold on. Uh, I give you about 17 feet in Portland. I yeah, well, I don't know. You know, it, the riverbank is kind of kind of high here in southeast. I'd maybe give it, I think we're at about 53. That's what my inner okay. altimeter says. Yeah. Well, yeah. You've, been, you've been seeing that riverbank a lot. I mean, how's your training going for the Twin Cities Marathon? It is going so exceptionally well. I have uh, had some really, really great runs. I had my first negative split recently. I ran um, 20 miles, not the, uh, ran 20 miles two weekends ago, went through the um, four main quadrants of Portland, including uh, up to people who know Portland. I went up Terwilliger Boulevard, which is about a two mile long hill, nice steady climb. And then ended up going across the Selwood Bridge. Thank heavens it didn't fall down while I was on it. It, it gets a 2 out of 100 as far as bridge ratings go, safety-wise. Uh, <laughs> so with you know, and In fact, you Google that way, you're on it or something? Uh, actually, yesterday, as I record this, the Oregonian wrote about the Selwood Bridge. So um, thank, oh. thankfully, my 164-pound frame did not bring the whole thing crashing down. Um, so but then, yeah, so then I ran all along the Springwater Corridor. So people who are poor... Portland. They know where I'm talking about. But then this weekend, I'm running on Sunday so that I can run with my good pal Ellison, who takes Saturday off. So we're doing. I'm I'm running 17 miles, and I gotta tell you, Dim, I'm kind of I'm feeling a lot of trepidation about this run. In all seriousness, I have to do 12 miles at marathon pace. So to me, this is really the toughest run of the entire training cycle. I'm doing the marathon own it plan from Train Like a Mother. So. And so that's, I mean, that's a big reveal for you to say that you're nervous. I mean, that's, that's not something that usually comes from the SBS lips. I mean, so, so, so let's talk about what's your, what's your, like, okay, let's just put it out there, put it out in the universe. What do you want to finish at in Twin Cities? What's your, what's your goal pace? Yeah. And I tell you, if I wasn't talking on the radio right now, I'd be biting my fingernails. I'm actually picking at my, I, thankfully I don't have many cuticles, so I'm, I'm not picking too hard at those, making them bleed, but, um, just all this talk and I'm probably pitting out a little, um, <laughs> I, um, well, you know, in a, like, oh, goodness, goodness, you're putting me on the Just spot put here. Just out there, Sarah. You know what? The universe has to hear what you want to do. You okay. got to say it out loud and say it to yourself. Okay. So, so I believe in train like a mother. We talk about different goals. And so my A goal is to qualify again for Boston. So would be running sub 355. Wow. That is, I have total faith that you can do that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad one of us does. Um, so then, you know, I'd really like to finish right around four. I'm not feeling, you know, if I can't hit my A goal, I, I don't think I'm getting too uptight about whether it's there's a three at the first number or a four. So I'd say my B goal is to finish in 405 or better. Mm-hmm. And I would say anything over that. And either I would have just right before it said, okay, I'm just going to have fun. And then I would, my idea of fun is... 410 or better. Um, 
<laughs> really giving myself a big cushion there. Yeah, Sarah's <laughs> idea of quote unquote fun. We have very different ideas of fun, just so you know. Um, but uh, you know what? So the thing about it is you are on the own it plan. So I really, I, I'm saying this with all seriousness, both as a fan, I mean, a friend and a fan. And, you know, as far as our, our listeners go too, like, believe that you can do that. You know, I mean, you have a lot, your, your voice when you told me that was not the voice that you usually use on this podcast. Mm. So, you know, I mean, I don't know if you need to do some visualization or write 355 on your bathroom mirror and look at it every day, but I, I truly, truly believe in programming your brain and saying, I've got this, I can do this and not, you know, oh, well, I don't really, if I get, you know, a three or four, I don't care. Like, and I'm not, I'm not mocking you. I'm just saying like that, that kind of wishy-washiness is pretty typical um, of people when they set out to do something, but, but own it. I mean, you're, you're following the own it plan, own your goals. Yeah. Yeah. Although the thing is, is I don't believe I would run Boston if I qualify again, because it's such an expensive undertaking to you know go all the way across the country and stay in a hotel and pay for the entry fee and all that stuff. And, um, so, you know, how much, well, so just, make, just make your goal 355. I mean, and, and obviously you don't have to run Boston if you qualify. I mean, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's obviously a nice little, you know, kind of hidden badge of honor you wear on your chest, you know? So mm-hmm. if that's important to you, it's important to own it. Mm. I should have been lying down during this conversation. You know, <laughs> you going- I'm, definitely not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying like, you know, like I, I, Oh. I'm like, wish, wish. I mean, you've worked so hard, you know, you've worked really hard. You ran 20 miles. You're going to run, you're going to have a hard run on Saturday mm-hmm. or Sunday, you know, see, see how it comes up and then, and then, you know, and believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, Dr. Timothy. <laughs> right. So, so m- moving on, we have a guest today and it is only our second male guest as our producer Jonah pointed out. It is Golden Harper, the founder of Ultra zero drop footwear and he comes to us from salt lake city well golden since since you started ultra we want to talk to you a little bit about your background because you have a really unique background in running because how old were you when you started running and when you ran your first marathon you know uh, i was actually told that uh, i i ran before i walked supposedly (laughs) my parents didn't want me to walk so they would always push me down because they read some study that kids that crawl longer are smarter uh, which obviously didn't work, but, uh, they, uh, they would always push me down. But one day they set me outside the car and, uh, at some, you know, I don't know, Kmart or something. And there were like the kids on the little, uh, merry-go-round outside. And I, I guess I just took off running. Oh my goodness. That was that. And then, uh, I actually won the world youth championships at age eight and I ran my first marathon when I was 10, uh, three hours and eight minutes. So. Wait, what's what's the World Youth Championships? I mean, what qualifies as youth? Um, so that was it, it was an age group championship race uh, that uh, ch- changes location every year, and uh, they do everything from I think age five up to age twelve, I think. Okay. And um, so that was my f- one of my first tastes at age eight of uh, something bigger than just state level competition, but actually, you know, more national level competition. So tell us a little bit about that first marathon. I mean, age 10, I mean, I, my daughter's 10 and a half and I can't, I can barely imagine her running a 5k, let alone a marathon. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's kind of like this memory of a different lifetime in reality to me. I don't, it's cloudy. It seems funny to me now. I look back, I'm like, wow, I was crazy. (laughs) Um, 
But I was really angry at my parents at age nine because I was already run the marathon when I was nine years old, and they wouldn't let me run. They they told me I was too young. And that year, um, the youngest kid in the race, who happened to be eleven or twelve, actually I think, won this Dole Special Achievement Trophy that they give to the most outstanding performance of the race. And they gave it to him for being, you know, the youngest and running a decent time and whatnot. And I was like, see, mom and dad, if you would have let me run, I'm like two, three years younger than that kid. I would have won that huge trophy that's taller than me. It's like a four foot high trophy. You were robbed. And you were robbed. robbed. And so that was like my motivation from then on. And at that moment, they were like, fine, we'll let you run next year if you run like, I don't know, train well enough. And I was like, I was trained well enough this year. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. So Were your parents run for school then? I mean, is that how you got into it? Uh, yes, my parents, neither of them ran, uh, younger, uh, both of them actually come from non-athletic families, but they both started running later in life. My dad was upper twenties, I think when he really started running, uh, after blowing his knee out, playing football and just being told he'd never, you know, do anything and actually being told he'd never run again. And then my mom's, uh, dabbled with shorter distance running, uh, in her junior and se- senior seasons of high school and ended up running collegiately. So, hmm. well, she, so she's a mother runner, obviously, right? She, she was the ultimate mother runner. She, she would run up until the day before she had us. Oh my goodness. And, uh, she, you know, four kids, four Olympic trials, uh, appearances, while having those four kids, we're all spaced about five years apart. So it was kind of like kid Olympic trials, kid Olympic trials, kid Olympic trials. You get the idea. Wow. And so was she, she in the Olympic trials for a marathon or what was, what was she going for? Yeah, she went for marathon, although she did uh, set the world best in the 8k at one point in time. Wow. Uh, But it was a downhill course. So, so, but that sort Uh, of explains where he gets on your speed because you ran a, is it a 245 marathon when you were 12? That's true. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, tell is us. That your, is that your PR? Uh, I ran 244 the next year, actually, and I haven't run one since. So you haven't run, <laughs> you haven't run a marathon, or you haven't run a PR since then? I haven't run a marathon since. Oh my gosh! Since you were 13, so you say so you ran three marathons. Uh, how many marathons have you run in your life? Uh, I ran five between huh? those ages there. So. Oh my gosh. And then why why did you stop? I mean, you were obviously having some amazing success. Well, you have high school track and cross country, and the marathon season here in the Rockies is typically fall, which is the same as cross country season, so there's an overlap. It uh, doesn't exactly coexist well. Uh-huh. So, yep. Hmm. And then, obviously, after high school, uh, I, had a, I had a very successful high school career, uh, scholarship runner in college, same type of deal. College doesn't uh, really cross over with, uh, with marathon running in the fall. And then uh, got done with college and kind of skipped straight to doing some ultra distance stuff. So, mm. and so yep. that, that's what you're still doing now. You're an ultra runner. Uh, something like that. I'm. I'm not sure what I am anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you're the founder of Ultra. That's what you are. Something um, like that. Well, so so you this, before we go into the shoes and everything, I want it, you're, the site, the Ultra site. Um, says your expertise is handling running injuries um, and complicated shoe situations, which, you know, yeah. I was like, ding, ding, ding. I want two hours on the phone with him, please. Um, yeah. But have you yourself dealt with a lot of personal injuries? Um, you know, I think anybody who runs at a really high level pushes their body to a point that uh, 
that that's going to be the case. That hasn't been the case with me um, the last five, six years. Uh, I was riddled with injuries in college um, before I really started tinkering with shoes and and stuff. And so I spent the majority of my collegiate research and papers that I wrote on uh, both running technique and running injuries. So, and then I worked at a running store for 20 years. So uh, my my family store that I was managing up until till Ultra, and uh, just big focus on running injuries because typically when people come into a running store for a pair of shoes, most of them come in for one reason, something hurts, you know, something isn't right. So that's why they come in the door. So you want you to be an expert on that and you want your staff to be an expert on that. So we were very focused on getting to the root of problems, the long-term solutions rather than the quick fixes. Right, right. So then, so it, I, from what I've read on the Ultra site, it sounds like the genesis of Ultra was really born out of a lot of that experience that you had at the running store, your parents' running store. Is that right? That's absolutely correct. It was, it, it was never meant to become Ultra. It just kind of happened. So. Well, so, so talk us to the genesis of how you got from, you know, an idea to where you are today. Um, that's a really long story. I'll see how, uh, I'll see if I can compress it as much as possible. And really what it came down to is, you know, we were paying attention to our customers and we've always done these running technique classes. And then, uh, we got to where we were doing some high speed video analysis. And the quickest thing that became real apparent is our customers and our athletes looked really great in their, uh, track spikes and cross flats and, and without their shoes on. And then we would film them with the shoes that we had just sold them, the running shoes that we had just sold them. And it was like the wheels come off and it's like, what is going on? You know, they look terrible. The, the shoes were affecting their form very negatively. And uh, from everything I'd learned in college, uh, I had a pretty good theory that form and injuries were very highly connected. And um, so it was a big red flag as a, as a running store with a focus on customers, we wanted them, you know, we wanted to be helping our customers. And from the looks of the video analysis, it looked like we were hurting them. And we also noticed that the customers with the most injuries also typically tended to be the customers that had the worst form. So, uh, that's, that's a little bit of message to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm the, I'm the injury half of this, of this duo. And, uh, oh, I'm, I'm consistently battling, but I'm getting better. My ultras are helping. So anyway, all right. We may have to have a, a separate uh, conversation. Conversation, yes. Um, anyway, so that was that. And from that point on, it was like, okay, what do we do with our product selection here at the store to not be hurting our customers? You know, how do we, how do we find things that help our customers more? We had always focused on better running technique. And it, it was plain to see that shoes with big elevated heels and uh, lots of cushion and weight in the heel was really messing with the way people ran. And so there was kind of a quest from that point on to uh, fix that, if you will. So then so then, t for people who are unfamiliar with ultra shoes, tell us what the concept is behind them and, you know, kind of maybe how they differ somewhat from other minimalist footwear, which is, that's how you'd categorize ultra, yes? Uh, I would not, actually. Oh. And I'll, I'll, I'll get there. Mm -hmm. uh, by f Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. 
For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love, for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a 6- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com slash AMR. That's BarkBox.com slash AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's storyworth.com slash AMR. I guess finishing the story from the running store, mm-hmm. what we initially started doing is um, we started taking traditional running shoes. So think, you know, your best run, best-selling running shoes out there that we were selling in the store. And uh, basically what we did is we would cut with a professional shoemaker, we would cut a wedge in and uh, out of the heel, basically. And we would take the 12 to 15 millimeters of excess heel cushioning out of the shoe so that the amount of cushioning in the forefoot and the amount of cushioning in the heel was the same. So there was literally no drop from heel to toe anymore. And that's when we coined the term zero drop. At that time, as a catchy way to explain to customers what was going on there. We'd also try and make sure the balance of the shoe was on so that the heel wasn't heavier than the forefoot, etc. And, uh, but it was never, it was never a minimalist thing. Minimalism obviously didn't exist at that time. And it was more just an idea of getting people to have better running technique. And so we weren't sacrificing any cushioning in the front part of the shoe. We were just making the back half and the front half the same and getting the balance there so that when people put the shoe on, it didn't mess with what they did and it allowed them to run with better technique out of the box unconsciously without even thinking about it. You know, it just happened if you will Mm -hmm. and so i mean again typical shoes like brooks cascadia's for trail um you know your traditional everyday cushion running shoes would have been what we would have been hacking up um the first ones i actually did in a toaster oven in my basement just heated (laughs) up melted lace and it looked horrible but it worked did that toaster oven bite the dust it must have huh no still use it today uh really the other day it was great <laughs> it, it's got a little bit of a rubber smell you know but uh, it's all it's all good so 
and and um, that's I mean that's one thing that I really I have been running in the ultras. I mean, um, and I want you in a second to talk about the break in period and and what you need to do to make sure that you kind of get success with with your shoes. Um, but actually, there's two things that I love about it. First, the wide toe box. I mean, as somebody who you know has bunions and feet that you know kind of splay out more than they you know have typical yoga feet. Um, it's actually, I guess typical yoga feet are splayed out a little bit, but anyway, um, I, I love that. I love that there's room for my feet and my toes to move, um, because that's not the case with other shoes. Um, and secondly, I love that there's cushioning. I mean, I feel like I'm part of the kind of the natural running movement, but I don't have to, you know, be so intimate with the concrete on my sidewalks. Right. Yep. Yeah. No. And I think uh, you hit two things on the head, which are really key to us. And first is, uh, you know, something we like to call the foot shaped toe box. Um, I think there's a little misperception out there that ultras are for people with wide feet, but the, the width of the ball of the foot is the same as any other regular width shoe out there. It's just from there forward, the toes can actually spread. And if you don't like that, you need to go get a massage and get some tension taken out of your life. You know what I'm saying? Cause having those, uh, <laughs> having those toes spread is, is a beautiful thing. And, uh, if you're if you're liking having your toes cramped, you, you just need to go take some relaxation classes. Um, and then second of all, just what you said uh, about having some cushioning there. Again, it was never about uh, minimalism from us from the beginning because such a thing didn't exist really. And most of us here, we run ultra marathons and, and triathlons. And I'm just telling you, uh, from someone who. I used to do two hour barefoot runs, you know, routinely, uh, when I lived in Hawaii, especially, but I'm not going to go run 50 miles without some cushioning. It's just not happening from, from a pure speed perspective, if nothing else, you know, there is a necessity there. And I, I always joke that, you know, uh, cushioning is for feet, not for joints and, uh, and, you know, kind of vice versa. If, if somebody has got a knee problem, I'll tell them to go run with no cushioning and, uh, their knees are going to feel great and their feet are going to get the crap kicked out of them and uh, vice versa. So uh, that is a, definitely an important part of things is you can choose your level of cushioning. And, and we do make uh, a couple minimalist shoes with very little to no cushioning as well for uh, for those activities, foot strengthening, running technique, working on that. And also for those people who uh, don't feel they need the cushioning to each their own. Uh, we're not here to tell people what's best for them. Uh, we're just here to provide options that are viable and work. We being ultra marathoners, personally, most of us felt like we need um, we need some cushioning to be able to go along. So you'll you'll see that from us. Mm-hmm. So so how do you t- look t- can you talk just a little bit about breaking them in? I mean, you know, g- giving yourself any any kind of natural running shoe, I would imagine kind of follows a similar learning curve, correct? Um, yeah, and I think the thing we find is uh, there's a there's an idea out there that um, the drop from heel to toe is is what relates to how long of a transition period there is. But uh, we found that to, from the very beginning to simply just not be true. Uh, the amount of cushioning is is what determines the amount of break-in time. You can have a shoe with a 10 millimeter drop with no cushioning in the forefoot. And you're going to have a lot of calf soreness because the body tenses up on landing. It says, oh, I'm going to land with no cushioning under my forefoot. I need to tense up to brace for impact. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can have a shoe with zero drop that has, you know, has a lot of cushioning to it. And the, uh, the break-in time is, is very, very little. 
So depending on what shoe you're dealing with uh, from us, we provide you different manuals in the box. Uh, if you go with more of a minimalist shoe, it's a, a break-in program that starts with one-tenth of your regular mileage. If you go with one of our cushioned or stability shoes, like the Instinct or Intuition, Provision, or Lone Peak, uh, that's more of like a three-week, four-week break-in program for the average person. Now, everybody's different. We understand that. But typically, for from all the research we did, hundreds and hundreds of surveys, the average person had three and a half out of ten calf soreness, and it lasted about three weeks. That's something that people can live with, and it's no different than what we would do at a typical running shoe store when selling people a new pair of shoes. We would tell them to fade their old shoe out of their routine while they fade their new one in over a period of three weeks. And our recommendation there is basically try them out for your easy runs on week one, your shorter runs or easier runs on week one, and if that goes well, uh, try it out for your medium effort to medium distance runs on week two. And if, if you're there with no um, excessive calf soreness or anything like that, tightness, then try it for your long runs on week three. And if, if you're there and you're good, uh, jump right in, you know. Uh, just kind of rotate the old shoes out, uh, rotate the new ones in, and uh, really not a whole lot different than you would do with a traditional shoe, uh, except that you're going to be evaluating through the process. So, hmm. And our... And our- Ultras, I mean, I, I realize you probably would like it if everybody was running in ultras, but I mean, are there some runners that ultras are best for, or is there anyone who should steer clear of them? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely people we target. Uh, first off, uh, people who are just beginning runners, they are just beginning running, excuse me. They don't know any difference, so why put them in a high-heeled shoe with a tapered toe box uh, from the get-go and teach them bad habits as a, as a beginner? So we look at high school kids, anybody new to the sport, anybody just starting. Those are people we think are ideal candidates for our shoes because they can establish good habits from the get-go mm-hmm. and learn good technique from day one instead of learning bad technique from day one and then having to go back and learn good technique like most of us do. That's no fun. you know. Um, so if we can get them establishing good habits early, that that's fantastic. And that's one group. Uh, the other group would, would be people with uh, typical running injuries that are caused, uh, at least we think are caused by overstriding and improper form in a lot of cases, uh, excessive heel striking. Uh, so we would target especially people with shin splints, mm. runner's knee, chondromalacia, IT band we seem to have a lot of success with, uh, lower back pain, especially since we've taken the drop out of the shoe. Zero drop shoe just lines up your posture and pulls pressure off your lower back. Um, any of those typical running injuries, uh, are, are people we want to target. And that's how we were initially selling the zero drop shoes at my store is the staff was only bringing them out if somebody had a problem that we couldn't solve with traditional shoes. Hmm. And that again, typically was some sort of foot problem. Um, and then shin splints, knee problems, uh, it bend, and lower back stuff. And then now with the foot-shaped toe box, that allows us really especially to target, just like you were saying earlier, people with bunions, neuromas, metatarsalgias, sesamoiditis, et cetera, we're really releasing the bones up in the front part of the foot, spreading those nerves apart, getting rid of pinched nerves, um, and allowing the foot to work the way it's built to work. So we can really help people with a lot of forefoot pain. You know, you don't have that drop from heel to toe, putting pressure down on the forefoot. You don't have that tapered toe box squeezing the toes together and pinching nerves, and you're not forcing a bunion by kicking that big toe in. So as far as people that should steer clear, 
Um, you know, there's people out there that just don't want to be comfortable or like being injured. I think they should. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good answer. I like that one. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anybody I would just have like not it, it, just personal preference. You know, if you try it on and it doesn't feel good, then don't buy it. You know, uh, they've done a lot of studies on running shoes and injuries and what they found is really interesting. Um, runners typically, you know, if you're typically a neutral runner, you're not any more injured in a stability shoe than you are in a neutral shoe. If you're supposed to be a quote unquote stability runner, you're actually less injured in a neutral shoe than a stability shoe. And uh, the irony of it all is when they've really studied this, that uh, they find that the shoes people are most comfortable in are are the shoes that people tend to be least injured in. So if you put the shoe on and it feels great, um, or you can, you know, you can feel that it's it's going to work and it's going to feel good for you. Then fantastic. If you put the shoe on and it it doesn't feel natural and it doesn't feel good at all, then, uh, then don't get it. You know. So I guess those would be the people I would say. You know, don't bother. Don't force yourself shoes. Well, so so golden. Like I said, I'm the injured half, and I and I've been really trying to change my form and take you know fewer steps and lighter steps, and and my ultras have definitely helped with that um, mm-hmm. feeling feeling that sensation, but. I'm just curious, like as you, as obviously a really veteran, strong, talented runner, do you still think about form when you're running or is that just come like just second nature to you? Uh, A little of both, you know, um, I think it's something any athlete in any sport is always going to work on form to until the day they retire. Otherwise they won't be successful. And so it's definitely there, but at the same time, it's kind of second nature at this point in time. Sure. Uh, but at the the end of a race or a long run, uh, there's definitely a focus there. You know, it's like okay, that's that's kind of paramount uh, is is not breaking down at the end, and and that's what we do. We get tired and we start to get lazy with our form. And I can tell you right now, watching the Olympics, I could usually tell who was going to fall off the back of the pack and who was going to win just by the last couple laps, watching people's form break down or not. And you could tell almost based on form alone who would win the race. There's a couple exceptions, but so that's where I think it's more important to focus on form. But as, as you go there, um, you know, it becomes more and more second nature. So, and that's one thing I absolutely love about our shoes is I always felt like growing up, I was always fighting for form. I was always fighting my shoes. I just felt like, oh, I just naturally overstride. It's just what happens. But then I take my shoes off or put my racing flats on and everything's great. And then I put my training shoes back on. I feel like I'm fighting myself again. And the first time I zero dropped a pair of shoes and went for a run, it was kind of like this revelation. I just kind of looked to the heavens and said, thanks, you know, uh, because I ran seven or eight miles at a good pace and didn't have to think about my form the whole time. It just happened, you know. And for me, that was a beautiful thing. And I think that's the experience I want everybody to have in our shoes is to put them on and go run. And immediately it's better, you know. And it feels great. And if you've been working on form before you put our shoes on, it's going to be just it's an incredible change right then and there because you don't have to do any work with it. And if you haven't, you're going to notice a change right off. And then, you know, over the next uh, next couple months, you'll see it slowly come along. So nice. we like that. You give me hope. You give me hope. <laughs> it's out there. It's definitely Thanks. out there. And that's, uh, that's what I love to hear. You give me hope. That's uh <laughs> If I could run an ad campaign like that, it probably wouldn't be very catchy, but uh, <laughs> we, could, we, we give people hope and, and we, we hope that's what we're doing and that's what we aim to, to do. Um, that's why we started this company, to help people run with better technique and have less injuries and, and help people that thought that they could no longer do it, you know, so big deal for us. Awesome. 
Thanks so much, Golden. Absolutely. So I'm just like fascinated by him. I mean, a two a, a two forty five marathon period, and then at age twelve. I mean, that's just that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking crazy. Um, but anyway, if you want more in- information on ultra, um, Sarah said that I was saying it. It sounded like a U. It's actually A L T R A. So it's like ultra, not no, ultra. no. It's not like ultra. It is ultra. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So sorry, sorry if I got my vowels mixed up. I, I that's my bad. Um, so it's ultra zero drop. A L T R A, and then zero drop. Um, with no spaces in between.com. So go check them out. Um, and actually on their website right now, and they're having a sale going on. Not sure if that'll be going on at the end of this when we run this podcast, but, but go to their site regardless. And to find more of us online, go to Facebook, Run Like a Mother, the book. Our website is anothermotherrunner.com, another website that starts with an A. And uh, on Twitter, we are at SBS on the run and at Dibony on the run. And to find our books online, go to Amazon.com, run like a mother and train like a mother. We'll talk to you next time. Many happy miles. Happy miles.